Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, so the six at six starts at the top of the fifth. See what I did there? Uh, Cubs looking. Hi, Mike. Hey, everybody. Fourth straight. And John Lackey certainly thought he called Carlos Martinez looking. Uh, Martinez, if you notice, even he started walking toward, uh-huh. the, toward the dugout. And upon further review, home plate umpire Joy Baker said, eh, missed this one. I hate it. You know, I know, right? Job's hard enough. I don't need you to make my job the harder. all watered up. See? And what happens next? You knew it. Shoot. RBI base hit, Martinez makes it two to one. Now check out Lackey's reaction. That's called multitasking. On this he's covering, but he's, he's letting him know. I wouldn't be if it wasn't for you. And he goes right for the right for the plate, jaws at the ump. Certainly not lacking any emotions. Anyway, he gets. I didn't had it with you. He gets casually tossed. Wilson Contreras is going to be right behind him. That is money's worth. Sure did. Might be a suspension for Contreras. All right, what's good? What's really good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Feel good Friday edition. Haven't been this thankful for a Friday in a minute. I have no idea why. What could I know? <laughs> this weekend's sports slate is lit. We're a day away from Lamar Jackson and the Cardinals taking on Clemson. Coming up, we'll take you out to Louisville. Who's going to be the king in the ring tomorrow night? Later, Teddy Atlas helps us preview Canelo Triple G. And what's it going to take to dethrone the king? What's going on in the Queen City? Tell you what, everything continues to go right in Cleveland. And we now go to part-time Cleveland resident Pedro <laughs> Gomez, who can't go home until Cleveland loses. Now, Pedro, there's been a playoff-like atmosphere that's been building around the team. How are they managing that during this streak? You know what? They are absolutely wrapping their arms around this because they do have some younger players that weren't on the roster last year for the World Series. So therefore, what they're getting right now is really an indoctrination into what October is like. And really, this roster is being engulfed by what's going on here. It's not October, but it kind of feels like it. Um, There's more media because our media base is a little bit more quiet right now. We have more media. Also, the fans are loud, sellouts, and every game matters. You know, September every every, in September every game matters uh, because there's a lot of people, a lot of teams are in it, and it's just something special. We still have a lot of it's a lot at stake. You know what I mean? It's one of those deals where. You know, we have an opportunity to still catch the Dodgers. You know, we're a couple games up on the Astros. And we have to play well because I think home field advantage is very important. And look, I have been in this stadium for the World Series in 1995, 1997, and last season. I can tell you that when Francisco Lindor hit that double with two strikes and two outs in the bottom of the ninth yesterday, this place reacted just like it has during those World Series games where big moments took place. And as another side note, guys, Trevor Bauer takes the mound for the Indians tonight, and all he's done is win nine consecutive decisions. All right, Pedro, thank you so much for that rather appropriate report because, Jamel, I am so sick and tired of hearing people say, and I heard it a lot today, you've heard it a lot lately, that, oh, you know, that's way too much winning too soon. As they get into October. Like it's a bad thing. And like it's a bad thing. Like, oh, they need to lose. That implies that this is luck. Right. This is about a really good team that actually could be better. This isn't fluky. 
This is about skill. This is about depth. And I love that they're being prepared for October. See, that's how you take this story and make it and, and own it, as opposed to like, oh, we're, we're peaking too early. No, we're preparing ourselves for October. I love that. Yeah, I'd love that, too. And ask yourself right now, would you rather be the Dodgers or the Indians? You know what I mean? And the Dodgers are on the other side of this. I mean, I think that goes without saying. Look, I know a lot of people don't believe in momentum. And it can be kind of a, a tricky thing. But I would much rather be going into the postseason with this kind of with this kind of momentum, playing great baseball, as you said, and with all this confidence. So let me ask you something. When we come back here Monday, will they still be streaking? Yes. We're not about to be party poopers, right? No. They will get 25. They got three more at home against the Royals. They've beaten the Royals six times this year. The Royals haven't won at Progressive since May 27th. These fools have forgotten how to win. <laughs> They're having so much fun. And like I said, this is not fluky at all. They're that focused. I feel like they must have a poster or a cutout cardboard of an owner in their locker room. All right. <laughs> you're the first team since 1939 to start a season with two home games and not a single offensive touchdown. When you make that kind of dubious history, your offensive coordinator is probably history. Bengals fired O.C. Ken Zampezi, replaced him with Bill Lazor today, marking the first time in the franchise's 50-year history that they fired a coordinator during the season. Quick trigger, but is it a quick fix? It's a quick trigger. I don't know if this will fix everything because when you look at how the Bengals, how bad, like they've been playing the first two weeks of the season – we had uh, Teddy Bruschi on yesterday, and he mm-hmm. talked about how a lot of teams now, they're going to get off to, we're going to see a lot of teams off to slower starts because of how little time that a lot of the starters get in the preseason. Okay, so m- maybe you give them a little bit of a pass and say the first week was a bit of an, an, an anomaly. Andy Dalton can't be that bad. And then upon seeing this, and I know he struggled primetime Andy Dalton, right. struggled against this the team defense, in yeah. particular, but at this stage in his career, Andy Dalton shouldn't be at this point. He shouldn't look like he's regressing. And I don't know if that's something that an offensive coordinator can fix. It wasn't all on him last night, all right? But this, he shouldn't look this bad. You know what an offensive coordinator can't do? Block. You know what an offensive coordinator can't do? Stand and deliver under pressure. Okay, right. so they're lost right now. They're collectively lost, and they're searching for answers. Like Marvin Lewis, the organ- I, t- I mentioned about the organization. Marvin Lewis has never fired a coordinator during the season. So for him to do this tells me that somebody with as much job security as he's had in Cincinnati is searching for answers. And Bill Lazor, good luck. Good luck. In pr- he can't bring the guys you let go back. Right. And what he, can't, he also can't do is bring this fr- what seems like a fractured team. I get that they were – Emotional after the game yeah, last based night. Based off their comments, AJ yeah, Green, Drake, Pac-Man Drake Jones, Kirk, Drake Kirkpatrick. You know what it is? Yeah. This this whole thing is just kind of stale. Yeah. You know, they had so much pressure and so much disappointment that just piled up and piled up over the years in the postseason, and it's stale. And you know what happens after it gets stale? It gets sour. And you know what happens after it gets sour? It stinks. And right about now, offensively especially, they stink. So this seems like the beginning of the end for the Bengals as we've come to know them, having never gotten over that. I just wonder how much longer. Andy Dalton is going to be able to hold on to his job. I mean, you have A.J. McCarron right behind him, somebody who's going to be a free agent. At some point, again, Andy Dalton may not be the problem, but if he's not the solution, how do you resist the temptation to go to A.J. McCarron? Just just as you said, much like firing your coordinator so you can get something, fall, a fresh guys. breath of fresh air. All right, Sam Bradford limited for a third straight practice today with a left knee issue. Had an MRI on Tuesday after experiencing swelling, pain, and discomfort after the Saints game. Tore the ACL in that left knee twice. Listed as questionable for Sunday against the Steelers, but seems likely to play. Case Keenum is the backup. This has caused some major concern in Minnesota as far as I'm concerned after the game he had. He's the Alex Smith of the NFC right now. I think we're going to reinvent himself this year with that, with that skill position group, with that offensive line. 
He's, he's been star-crossed based on the injuries. And I really, as many people that killed the Vikings last year for spending another first-round pick on Sam Bradford, to see him even questionable going into Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm pulling for the guy. Right. I'm pulling for him, and it's really, it really bumps me up. Well, I, I'm not trying to read too much of it, much into this. And, and I'm, like you, very aware of the injury history, and he is certainly a target for this kind of thing. Um, but I just feel like for Sam Bradford, maybe this is the year that he puts it all together. I hope so. They describe the Vikings as being cautiously optimistic. Yeah, but Case Keenum and Adam Thielen were also working on the side after practice, whatever that's worth. All right, and now on to what I'm calling the What Gives matchup of the week, Clemson-Louisville. Uh, last week against North Carolina, Lamar Jackson became the second player in FBS history to post a pair of games with at least 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards. Meanwhile, Clemson's defense had 11 sacks against Auburn. Just one shot of the school record. That leads us to tomorrow night on ABC. What will give Clemson's defense or will Lamar Jackson just be just exhibit even more brilliance? Marty Mar. Speaking of exhibiting What's brilliance. What's up, Marty? Let's welcome in <laughs> Marty Smith, the man on the scene in Louisville. Uh, Marty, a lot of people are looking at this as an opportunity for Lamar Jackson to get the inside track. See what I did there with you at Churchill Downs? What? That was pretty good, Jamal. <laughs> That's why they paid me the big bucks, my man. What should we expect out of Lamar on Saturday. Total command of the Louisville offense, video game moves, great leaderships and uh, leadership, and above all else, speed. That young man runs a 4-3-4-40, but when you talk to his teammates and the staff at Louisville, as I did today, that doesn't even begin to tell the story of his speed. They say he has something called next man speed. What is that? That's when someone's chasing him, trying to run him down from behind, or he's trying to outrun the angle from a tackler. He has ninth gear. Forget sixth gear. There's nobody else in college football, his, his teammates tell me, that is that fast. Now, I got to thinking about that, how badly I'd like to get Lamar out on the track just to see from the back just how fast that is. Well, Coach Petrino won't let me get him out on the track this evening, so I thought, hmm. What better place than Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby, to run my own 40? And we'll compare my time to Lamar's time. So, Steve. Man, that's cool. It doesn't get better than that. All right, now, here we go. Great job, Steve. Mom's proud. All right, look, now, I'm old. I have on a full suit. And I don't have on like that NFL combine underwear olympics outfit all right so i'm gonna give this a ride i want y'all to make bets on just how fast this is gonna be my man gary's how, got the clock how fast you pull a hamstring okay go <laughs> the winner has been gay running in the suit the look fool at, running in the suit look at Marty. i swear nobody how loves you, gary <laughs> Oh, I am flying. <laughs> Guys, what did he find? 5.88. baby. Get some of that, America. Yeah, congratulations. You can play the beat Brinkus. a 600-pound offensive lineman. <laughs> I, I'm coming for your job, John Brinkus. I'm coming for your job. Now, I know we're out here having fun, but the fact of the matter is, if Lamar Jackson is going to beat Clemson tomorrow night, he's going to need that next man's speed. One team, baby. This Thank dude you ran a 40 and then tagged it at the end. I can't, I'm with you, man. I cannot wait to see him, though, beat Clemson from the pocket. He was great against him last year, yeah. even more improved this year. Thank you, Marty Smith. Go get some water, man. And I'm yeah. glad you didn't have to use the company insurance policy there. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. See you, right, I need a massage. Gears. Yeah, right? I need, need an ice bath. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's switch gears, y'all, from number three versus number 14. We go to the NBA's top 10. All right? We already knew who was included in the number in the top 10 on NBA.com's 2017 18 
predictive NBA rankings yesterday. Today we found out the order. Gotta say, rather predictable. Hard to crack those top three. Let's focus on LeBron James, Jamel. How long is it during his 15th season? How long is he going to have that number one spot on lock? Well, why does it seem like, at least the last three or four years, that there seems to be this, I don't want to call it a groundswell. That might be overstating mm-hmm. it, but this desire to see someone in this spot, right? And only for at the end of every season for us to say, okay, but it was LeBron. That was right. the answer. But right. this year, because you notice it started after KD won finals MVP. Yep. This year, it feels like coming into the season, more people are willing to consider the argument that Kevin Durant is at the very least right here, neck and neck with LeBron James. Maybe 1A. Right. How long can – here's the thing. Like, so maybe it might be this season. Historic stat line in the finals in defeat, but how long can you be the best player when you have a player of KD's caliber winning a championship or championships? When you're the best player in the game at a certain point, you can't keep finishing runner-up and just be considered the best player well, and, and indefinitely. Consider this. As good as he is, and I do believe there's a second level. I watch those oh. workouts. I do. Excuse me, not a second level, a next level, level for LeBron James, even at this late stage But you got to consider this part, too. For the first time in a while, I'm not saying – I don't know if we definitively know whether or not the Cavs are the best team in the East. So here's the thing. What happens – you mentioned finishing runner-up. What if he doesn't even make it to be the runner-up? Yeah. You know no, what I mean? He could not get out of the East. Exactly. And he typically paces himself in the regular season. And that might be the, the thing that takes him out of being, quote, the, the top player. And then you got a guy like Kawhi, who, again – the Warriors would have probably won last year anyway. But given how the Spurs look when he was healthy before he got hurt against the Warriors, considered the best two-way guy in the league already. That's another title. You got best play. I love basketball with all the different titles you got. You got player to start a team with. Right. You got player, uh, you know, that you like to build around. Or you got the best two-way player. You got the best player. You got the, the best big man. Yeah, exactly. Kawhi's got the, the two-way best title. all-around player. <laughs> right. He's got the two-way title, a finals MVP on his resume. Is there another level for him to go to? And, of course, as we mentioned, KD, you know, really just getting started with Golden State. But I want to take this opportunity to shout out all the screen grabbers out there, all right, who like to use us for attention. In case you didn't know, these are NBA.com's predictive rankings for next season. season. So I just want to run it back from yesterday and throw that up that I had my list from yesterday, my one through ten that I'm predicting this year. There it is, right there. That number three is I'm saying – and you can, we can run this back at the end of the season, that this season, at the end of this season, Greek Freak will, will vault into that conversation into the among five. the best handful of players in the NBA. Ain't you working out with Dirk right now? Yeah. Are you fully working out with yeah. Dirk this summer, getting a jumper? Okay, so that's what that means. So, holler at me at the end of the season. I'm not saying that he is number three now. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> this is predictive. That's called a bold Statement. There you go. Top, Giannis has a top five player. Next year, he's coming. Right. That boy coming. In case you haven't caught on, because we've only done this for like 10 days in a row, this is called Take It or Leave It. All right, Deshaun Watson played all right. 125 passing yards, 67 rushing yards, rushing TD. More importantly, uh, Houston won. So, Mike Ola Jr., who joins us now. Nice jacket. You're taking it or leaving it, have the Texans solve their quarterback problem? I'm going to leave it just because they didn't really allow us to get the answer to that torsion of the test. They just they handcuffed him in this offense too early right now. I'm going to wait and see still. Yeah, I'm going to leave it as well because I don't think this team is constructed or was intended 
to grow with Deshaun Watson. The idea was Savage is good enough while Watson sits and waits because we got a really good team around him. So I still believe that at the first sign of trouble, Bill O'Brien is going to go back to Tom Savage. He's going to have rookie mistakes, ups and downs, like they all do. I don't think Tom, I don't think Bill O'Brien is built to endure thick and thin with Deshaun Watson. And somebody's going to stop him from running. That's not going to happen every night. Right. Are you every just week. saying that just because Texan, the Texans are expected to be obviously a playoff team with the expectations the, the that he has to worry about winning else. games. Exactly. Well, to win I disagree with both you gentlemen. I'm going to take this. I think that he is their answer. I think Bill O'Brien, if he's smart, he sticks with him. You just live through those ups and downs that naturally come with being a rookie, rookie quarterback. I don't think – I don't think this is the kind of team or setup where you could keep playing revolving quarterbacks. So I think he needs to stay and stick with this decision, given this is what they kind of drafted so Once again, if you were going to do that, he'd have been out there week one. At some point, if you're going to be the quarterback whisperer, you better start whispering. Stick with your guy and build around I think him. he's impatient. All right, so moving on to another interesting NFL matchup. Uh, got the Patriots and Saints. We know what happens to the Patriots in week one. They got drilled. So, Gola Jr., is it panic time? If the Patriots fall to 0 and 2, I'm going to say take, yes. Take I'm, it or leave it, I should say. I am going to take this one. Okay. It is panic time if they fall to 0 and 2, especially if the offense doesn't look better. Because we know this is New Orleans Saints team that just made us all rethink everything we had ever come up with about <laughs> Sam Bradford. Like, fundamentally, his existence changed for us after what that Saints defense let him do. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and leave it because I'm already preparing myself. After they go to 0 and 2, if they go, if they do, if so I go to already, 0 and 2, you're already have to have to put it in perspective for everybody and talk people down off the ledge when it comes to the Patriots. I think that defense is going to be a work in progress. Saints at home, not what it used to be. The dome is not what it used to be. But I think their offense gets right against the Patriots' defense, and 0 and 2 is not insurmountable for this group. It may it may totally make us look ridiculous for talking undefeated. But if in all season, but if they go 0-2, it's still not over for the Patriots. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I'm going to leave this as well because there, there are some elements here in which I could see the Saints winning this game. So it's not like this is a, some kind of gross impossibility. The other part of it, I do think it, it does matter how they lose because if we see some of the same things that we saw from their defense or lack of defense in, in the first game, then I'm going to start to question and wonder – is this correctable or is this just who the is? Yeah. But, see, but seeing how Tom Brady sounded after the game, yeah. I just can't imagine that he would let them lose, though. And to Michael's point, this is still the AFC East where the Dolphins came back from an 0-2 hole to make the playoffs last year. So something tells me the Patriots got a decent shot. Yeah, I'll agree. All right, moving on. So uh, backing up his stellar season opener against the Patriots, Alex Smith. Well, will he have a repeat performance versus the Eagles? Mike, take her to leave it. Or Mike G. Mike, what, Mike G. One? I'm one? sorry. Okay. Mike G. Got, okay. got a lot of Mike up on here today. I'm going to leave this one. I think Alex Smith is a darn good quarterback. But, again, like Sam Bradford, I'm not going to believe that overnight they all of a sudden just became this completely different guy. Water finds its level, and I think Alex Smith will too. You know what? I'm actually going to leave it as well. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to play well, but just not as well. Right. 368, four touchdowns. I mean, that was, that was next level. I think he can still – get his against Philly's defense, but their pass rush is much better than the Patriots. Secondary, Darby being out, something to be desired for Philly, 
But their pass rush is going to get after Alex Smith. So I don't think he has his way with them, but I think he still plays well. I do believe this is who he is. I think they, they came into the season wanting to push the ball down the field. I think he's been pushed by Patrick Mahomes. He's going to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. And he's got some weapons that's going to continue to make him look even better this year. I'm going to take this. Um, and I don't know if the numbers will match, but I think at the end of this game, when the Chiefs win, and I do think they'll win, um, where the story of the game is going to be Alex Smith. I, I, again, I don't know if the numbers will look identical, but I think he's going to be the reason. There's something to be said for some level of resurgence, something that's been ignited in him, and I think some of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes. Now, he said what the other day that he doesn't expect to be in Kansas City next he season. He's going to make that hard. He is, but there's something kind of freeing about that, where he's not tripping about this situation. He's yeah. just like, it is what it is. I know they want this young guy. I'm at peace. I'm comfortable. So I think that's going to allow him to play in this peace of mind that we may see the best of Alex Smith that we've ever seen in his career. So speaking of the quarterbacks, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, will he ruin the Falcons home opener, which is already ruined because the Chick-fil-A nuts know they can't get any Chick-fil-A sandwiches tomorrow. But will he ruin uh, the Falcons home opener at their new stadium? Uh, Mike G. Yeah, that, that, is, that is pretty messed up, but that's a story for another day uh, on that. I'm going to leave it right here. I think the Packers got some interesting injury concerns potentially on the O-line. And listen, the Falcons at home coming off of that appearance, they're going to look fast on that turf on both sides of the ball. I'm going to leave it too. Uh, I'm worried about whether or not they leave Brian Balaga at home. Just sent him home again with an illness, got an ankle problem. Um, in that new arena, excitement, energy, fans fired up, seeing him for the first time. Since everybody had 28-3 jokes. Against a team that they had their way with in the NFC Championship game, that pass rush gets after Aaron Rodgers. Secondary, you know, they can be had in Atlanta, but right. I do think Atlanta ends up winning a shootout behind Matt Ryan continuing to show that last year was not a fluke. I'm actually going to take it. I think uh, the Packers will pull the upset. But it was interesting to me how, because it was so close between the Falcons and the Bears, people almost made it seem like the Falcons lost <laughs> because everybody didn't expect the Bears to be very good this season or just right. mediocre at best. And so, yeah, certainly I think that, that they'll be uh, inspired to want to play better, and especially being right there at home. But I, I do think Aaron Rodgers is kind of on a mis- mission this season. And even though uh, everything you guys pointed out about some of the things that could not, maybe not possibly go Green Bay's way, I think that he will have his way with their secondary. So I like Green Bay in this one. All right, um, Joe Thomas. This is one of the more unbelievable stats, uh, stats rather, four snaps away from 10,000 consecutive snaps. Uh, Thomas's streak. I'm wondering, Mike Gola Jr., is it more impressive than Brett Favre's streak of 321 games? Take it or leave it. It's the easiest take of all time for me right here. A little little bit (laughs) of bias bias. on this one, but forget the abject hell that Joe Thomas has dealt with being a player on the Browns during this historic (laughs) run, but just the things that you have to overcome play in and play out at his position. And to not only play 10,000 straight snaps, but to be the best guy doing what you do for every one of those 10,000 snaps the first player to make be a, 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 a pro bowler and for each of his first nine seasons this guy's just different I mean to never leave the field it's one thing to start a game okay quarterbacks aren't getting and I'm not taking anything away from Favre's consecutive streak or the Mannings or anything like that quarterbacks aren't getting hit every play you know you're contacting every play as an offensive lineman yeah. so never so much as leave the field on offense even to your point about the Browns you're getting blown out a lot <laughs> right. over the years. And yet the professionalism to stay on the field and still perform like a Hall of Famer is good fortune, but it just speaks to who he is. That's an amazing streak. Probably way more impressive to me. I'm it, taking this. It is, in case you can tell. It, it is an amazing streak, and I don't want to seem like I'm disrespecting it or belittling it or diminishing it. 
but I'm leaving it because I still think the fact that Brett Favre played that many consecutive games, all right, started that many consecutive games, that's just absurd. And I don't mean to fall into the trap of automatically overvaluing everything a quarterback does. I hear you. Like I see in your eyes, I should think I'm doing. Look how many linemen get their ankles rolled up all from behind. Look at that division. He's been there that entire time with James Harrison, with Lamar Woodley, with Terrell Suggs, and Elvis Doomerville. Like he's had some dudes in that division coming in. No, he he has, and what he's done is 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 remarkable. And considering his fun personality to be in Cleveland that long and still, you know, not be down on yourself and still be as as, as open and, and, and as engaging as he is, is is miraculous, trust me. But I know the Mannings have, have done it, and Eli's the current uh, active guy with the most consecutive starts, but I guess for quarterbacks, we just see them go down so much. Or get replaced. Or get replaced. Like, it's hard to even just hold on to your job right. for that long, given the pressures that most quarterbacks face. So, right. sorry, I'm with them. appreciate it, man. USC and Texas square off for the first time since on Saturday. That was one of the best college, one of the best games, forget college games, one of the best games of all time. A lot of people think it's the best college game ever. Texas and USC ranked first and second in AP poll for that entire season. Of course, Vince Young and the Longhorns won a national title, snapping the Trojans' 34-game winning streaks. The Saturday's matchup, not quite the same luster. Texas, unranked under Tom Herman after that loss to start the season. USC's win streak, only 11 games, not 34, okay? But does feature USC quarterback Sam Darnold. So we now welcome former Longhorns coach, now ESPN analyst, Mac Brown, who's calling Illinois at South Florida, following us right here on ESPN. Uh, coach Brown, before we walk down memory lane, this game, uh, it isn't quite the level to the last meeting, which you know a little bit about, but it does feature another quarterback seen as a potential early first-round draft pick in Sam Darnold. What have you seen from Darnold that makes him uh, worthy of such an investment if he were to turn pro? Michael, I love Sam. He's got all the obvious intangibles. He's tall. He's got quick feet. He he can run and uh, and avoid the rush. But he's got the it factor. When he he brought them back in the Rose Bowl to beat Penn State, that gives his coaches and his team so much confidence in him that they know they're never out of a ballgame. Now, uh, Coach, Mike and I, we had this off-air argument because we were yeah. talking about Tom Herman because uh, he never lost, he's never lost a game against an AP-ranked opponent as a head coach. Uh, and when he's the underdog, he, t- he tends to excel. Now, even though some of that previous success came when he was an offensive coordinator at Ohio State, it came when he was at Houston, how might that previous success, or maybe it doesn't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, how might that previous success, how might that translate into the matchup with USC? It translates well because it gives him confidence that they can do it. They can show the players those stats and the staff, and they know they can do it. And if USC, the team that that played against Western Michigan, shows up, they'll have a chance to do it. If the team that shows up against, uh, showed up against Stanford plays, they're probably in trouble. All right, Coach, what do you think about uh, USC listing its record against Texas at 4-0, as it says, as directed by the NCAA? Well, number one, I was there. <laughs> so on him. I got the ring and I got to keep it. And it was on ABC, so it was a national game, and I think we all saw it. Number two, I looked in the uh, Texas media guide, and we still counted as a win. And I didn't realize that you could get rid of all your losses. If I could have done that, I'd still be coaching and have a wonderful record. So if I, if I could have asked the NCAA get rid of the losses and let me keep the wins... It would have been a lot happier place for me. Perfectly put. So let's go back to that game. Of course, you came out on the winning side. 
uh, the last time these two teams met. If you had to pick just one moment from that game, I mean, the iconic photo of, of just Vince Young celebrating and, and, and going into the end zone, what, which moment stands out to you the most from that game? Guys, I think it has to be the, the fourth down and five, last play of the game. There's 20-something seconds left. Vince scores, and I'm so proud of that team that they, they didn't celebrate. We had to go for two. We only had a one-point lead. Uh, we, we got back uh, in a huddle quickly enough that USC had burned their last time out. So I think it's not only Vince Young scoring the last drive with uh, 19 seconds left, but it's also the way the team handled the score. They acted like they expected it, and they acted like they wanted to be there. All right, Coach Brown, we will join you at the top of the hour right here on ESPN for Illinois and South Florida. All right, the Cadello Triple G weigh-in didn't have the same fireworks as Mayweather-McGregor, just, you know, some polite staring for a really long time. But boxing purists, they don't care about that. They don't need the show. Uh, Both fighters weighed in at the middleweight title limit of 160 pounds. Now, if Mayweather-McGregor was the spectacle of the year, (laughs) this is definitely the fight of the year. 19th straight title defense for Triple G and Canelo's third fight at middleweight. This gentleman here knows a lot about the fight game. Teddy Atlas joining us now to break it down so it can forever be broke. So, I assume you watch the weigh-in. Oh, fixed. <laughs> what, the weigh-in? <laughs> I was like, what, you got some information for us? No. Um, but, Teddy, what did, you, what did you observe? What stood out to you about Canelo and Triple G's weigh-in today? That the smaller guy, Canelo, looked like the bigger guy. Uh, he's been bulking up. I don't know if he's taking supplements. And don't get crazy out there, anyone. I'm not accusing anybody of any. I'm saying supplements, legal supplements that bulk you up a little bit, maybe a weight program, whatever. But this is a guy who's fought at 154, 155. He came in and on the button at 160. He grabbed the electrolytes. He grabbed the Gatorade, whatever they're drinking there. He grabbed all the nutriment that he could. This is a guy who never had to do that before. Now he's doing that. You have six pounds to play with. I was a little surprised, to tell you the truth, as a trainer, look and say the guy that has a margin didn't have a margin. You know, he's acting like the guy who just made the weight, mm. you know? So I was, I was a little, and I'm saying to myself, what does that mean, Teddy? What does that mean to you as a trainer? Well, maybe in trying to be the bigger guy, which you can't. That's up to God, your parents, and genetics. They're born to be that way. Golovkin was born to be the bigger guy. Canelo's not going to become really the bigger guy. He could bulk up in a false way and look like the bigger guy, but then what does he lose? Does he lose the things that the smaller guy brings in to have a chance to win that a smaller okay. guy needs to use to win against a bigger well, guy? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So, okay, you're talking about what he's done to get to this point. How does he pull off the win? A rare underdog in his last 20 fights. I think it's like the third time he's the underdog. He better start by avoiding this. The right hand of Golovkin, the power punch. Mm-hmm. Because, again, he's the biggest, stronger guy. That means he has the power. That means that Canelo has to make sure that the danger zone for me is the first six rounds. Kind of like going through a bad neighborhood. You better not get mugged. <laughs> you know, you better be alert. You better be looking out for things when you're going through that area. Well, that area, six, seven rounds, he better be looking out for a right hand yeah. and make sure that that's not land. That's where it starts for Canelo. Don't get caught with that big power punch by the bigger, stronger guy. And one other thing, this. Don't get caught up in yourself with this weigh-in that you look like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger there, <laughs> you know, and, and, but you're not. Yeah. And so now you start acting like him, and you start acting like the bigger guy and fighting with the bigger guy, fire with fire. Right. 
you might find that you with a smaller guy. I beg your pardon. Second time in his last 20 fights, he enters the ring as an underdog. So, meanwhile, but he is the younger guy by about eight years or so. What's the, how does the age difference factor in this? Big. Uh, on the side that if you're a fan of Canelo, you hope it factors big because I think I've seen deterioration in Golovkin. I really okay. do. Okay. He's 35 years old. I think that he's been deteriorating. He's not the same fight he was when this fight was proposed first, when they started talking about it two years ago. Matter of fact, when they started talking about it two years ago, I went on this network and I said, you know what? If they make this fight right now, Golden Boys people need to be arrested and put in handcuffs for mismanagement because that guy is too small. The other guy is too big and too strong right now. They should wait. Well, guess what? They waited. Yeah. And over the last two years, I've seen a deterioration. Mm. I've seen him become less. Um, I don't know, honestly, if it's the age, if it's the, the fights that's deteriorating him, or maybe it's the old curtain being pulled back in the Wizard of Oz and the Wizard's not there. Maybe he was exposed. Maybe Golovkin. Maybe we overrated him. Oh, Teddy, don't, don't tell me Whoa. that. Don't tell me that. So it sounds like you're going with Canelo, but well, wait a second. We, Michael, Mayweather do you McGregor. understand that this is a guy that we made him into an android. We right. made him into the Terminator. And but he was beaten up on junior middleweights, and I'm not saying he's not going to win the fight, and oh, that he's okay. not the favorite. But I'm just saying he's been beaten up on junior middleweights, middleweights, junior middleweights, European junior middleweights, and junior middleweights. His resume is full of of guys that lost at the next level. And now he fought Danny Jacobs in his last fight, a real middleweight. You know, but but not Marvin Hagler, but a real right, middleweight, right, right. okay? Okay. And and I I love Danny Jacobs. Yeah. And he struggled with him, struggled immensely with him. So I'm just saying, was the curtain pulled back? Was he exposed? Did we finally see, hey, he's not the Terminator. This is what he is, and this is what he's not. Okay, right, so we so got to go. I'll but say th- real quick, you got to put it on record, no, though. No, no, no. I, need, I just want you it's going to live up to the hype, right? Mayweather oh, McGregor okay. exceeded the hype. Yeah. This is the one we've all been waiting for. This is intrigue. This is intrigue. I don't know if the smaller man trying to be the bigger man is going to stand there and, and try to prove something. All I know is there's going to be fireworks. Okay. That, that I'm so going to tell you. Who you got? The easiest, they're telling me to rap, so I'm going to rap real quick. Oh! No, no, but I'm going to wrap it up real quick. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, it's okay. I know you guys run red lights, right? All the time. I mean, I've been known to run a couple. When first, I was going to pick Golovkin. That's the easy pick for me. The ninth round stop, it's too big, too strong. But I'm going with Canelo. Okay. I'm going to say what I've been seeing, the deterioration, all those things, whether it's the wizard stuff or whether it's age, I'm going to say it's real. Okay. I'm going to say that Golovkin, the younger guy, is going to win. All right. All I know is if it's Not as good Golovkin, as this, Canelo. Canelo. If it's as good as this analysis, we're going to be great. We'll be fine. Thank you. All right. You know what I love? I love Jake. Jake Cutler slander. I do. I know you do. <laughs> so sick of y'all. Uh, so the Chargers. He take on the Dolphins on Sunday. Melvin Ingram. He had a great game against the Broncos. He did. And he was asked about Jay Cutler. He said, we don't see him as a problem. All right, man. We're here. Okay, man. <laughs> what? So In other that news, can make, that can make- water is wet. <laughs> I crack myself up. They're about to light them up. Okay. Told y'all. Uh-huh. Jay Cutler didn't even practice this all season. He was like, I'm just going to do TV because it's that easy. Came off the couch TV. I'm telling you, look good in the preseason. You didn't see him last week. Watch Jay Cutler. Got nothing to say next week. Isaiah Thomas sleeps with a basketball. Why is that doing too much? Why is that doing too much? I, I'm not, that is not a little surprising that a grown man sleeps with a basketball. If, if he, even if he is a basketball player. Okay. 
like, I'm not even get into some of the idiosyncrasies I got stuff I sleep with. <laughs> Do share with the class, Michael. Nah, no, sorry. Sure. I, I respect it. Man, the man is serious about his craft. Uh, yes. Hey, Gabby. Uh, she wants to. She wants. She wants to know when someone is putting out the best butt with the most championship rings list, because all these lists have been happening. She didn't say butt. You're talking about D Wade. Yeah. And speaking of D Wade, right oh. no butt shot, but definitely full frontal. Him and LeBron working out together. Um. You think he? You think that uh, D Wade, LeBron. Gabby, if he had to pick one, <laughs> who's he picking? <laughs> Not at all. Racing champion for Brian Hero tested positive for tracing cocaine. That's this is all. Awesome. How is this doing too much? This is awesome. According to the Irish Greyhound Board, although the dog's trainer claims the dog ingested the cocaine. Dog bubbles from the wire. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I mean, like, how does this happen? How does your dog ingest cocaine? I never had cocaine. Just for the record. For the record, I'm glad that America now knows. I have this. A You're cocaine free. <laughs> but still, your dog. Like, what, what's happening around that area? Huh? Uh, during Billy Joe Saunders and Willie Monroe Jr.'s weigh-in for Saturday's fight, peep what Saunders' seven-year-old son did. Oh, come on, man! Punched him square in the. Come on, man! You gotta, you gotta aim high, Willis. You gotta. You can't, I, you can't no, he was that. punching down, Mike. Like that's a purposeful hit. Now, is that your son did that to another dude? I smacked the hell out of him. <laughs> Mike, I mean. In public. <laughs> it's okay. And there's somebody to call the authorities. I, I, because Pops looked like he was a little distracted. He didn't know what happened. But I guarantee you, if he'd have seen Where do you think he, he learned that? Up. He'd have snatched him up. I, don't, I think he was proud. Okay. Because, wait, again, that's a reflection of home training. All right. Which I have very little of. Feel good Friday edition. Haven't been this thankful for a Friday in a minute. I have no idea why. Ain't no way in hell Carmelo Anthony is the 64th best player going into this season. We need to start ranking these journalists I'm here for with this. descriptions of their strengths. No, it goes me. Weaknesses. Me. That's I beat athletic. Chris Johnson in a 40-yard dash. With a 900-yard head start. Me. An ability to make up quote-unquote sources. And then sneaking in at number five, yours truly. Pedro, how are the Indians behaving any differently during the street? We know baseball is a superstitious sport. Great answer. <laughs> Give us more, Pedro. That's the best thing that's been said this entire show. <laughs> Scotty Pippen was a star, but not a superstar. He's right. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He's not a superstar. Scotty Pippen is not a superstar. <laughs> you are as high maintenance as they come. Let's just put it out there. Me, yes. But you know what? You're worth it. You're worth it. Ah, that's beautiful, man. I'm not mad at him. That's beautiful. Certainly not lacking any emotions. That's good. <laughs> no, you're Jordan and I'm Pippen. So that means you're not a superstar? No. <laughs> you had a good day. Congratulations. I know I'm Jordan, okay? I'm just trying to be nice. Let me get this good yeah, day off. Congratulations to Jalen Rose. He'll be inducted into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame tonight as in the state of Michigan, doing so much in Detroit, including his Leadership Academy. So congratulations, Jalen. Possibly significant football news. Odell Beckham Jr. practiced again today, although limited, responded well to treatment, did more at practice today than yesterday, according to Ben McAdoo. So it's supposed to be like, what, a six-day-week injury? Maybe he's back fast in Monday Night Football. Michael Jackson, Tito. We'll be back Monday. <laughs> To preview the game. Y'all have a good weekend, please. (laughs)